This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome to Fish and Fries. Uh, we are so happy to have you here. Um, we are a couple of buddies here to talk about soccer in our unique, uh, unique American perspective. Um, my name is Andrew, and uh, this is my co-host Spencer. Spencer, the what's pilot. Up? What's going on, buddy? How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, had some lot. good soccer over the weekend to talk about, man. So well, not all good soccer. We had Chelsea played too. But we had some. <laughs> we had we had a lot of soccer yesterday, today, over the weekend. It's been. I woke up this crazy. morning, and I don't think I've ever had to like go through Fab's timeline more than I like <laughs> ever this morning. Like the the draw, I didn't realize the draw was at like five a.m. our time, which was great. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting here dropping bombs, Hassan Hoodle fired. Like not to get into our rundown, but like Jesus, Fab, okay. chill out a little bit. I had the same thing. It was like, it's not even like transfer season. Not that Fab's not always telling us some stuff, but like, and then even then I had to go to like David Ornstein to even see that like maybe Liverpool was being sold. Like, yeah, it's just, it's it's just, seriously, it's just one of those days. It's just like, okay, I'm, I guess I'll get a second at work and take a look at what's going on in this. Oh yeah. Sport. Not, not much got done for the first couple hours at work while I was catching up on that. My boss was definitely not happy about it, but they'll get over it. No, and the worst is like Monday mornings are our only busy times specifically. So it's just like, hey, Fab, buddy, later would be great. Ten o'clock, later. all good. Yeah, nope. no, no. That's uh, that's kind of what we get into on this podcast. That's our plan. The struggles of being an American soccer fan. That's we live it, and we uh, wanted to just relay that to the world of me and Andrew. You know, having to catch up on all this, like the rest of you do that are listening, unless you're somewhere else. Um, if you're in Europe, Europe-based or something, then you get it all in real time. It's probably you don't know right. how good you have it, really. Like you don't know how good you have it. Like, and that kind of gets us into why we we wanted to do this. Like, we've been soccer fans for years. We've been friends for what, probably two years now. Yeah, about like that. that. But like, <clears throat> our mutual friends that we know really well could not care less about soccer. Huge oh, sports fans do not care. Not at all interested. And finding in America, at least, somebody who actually cares about the same sport you do, incredible. Well, it's tough with soccer. There's so much other stuff going around here. You have to be a real sicko in America to like want to care about another country's sports, but that's exactly what we are. Right. It's not for lacking a lack of caring about our own sports, too. We're, uh, Spencer is uh, an unfortunate St. Louis fan. I grew up outside of Chicago and outside of the Vikings. Generally, uh, my sports misery uh, lies there. Yeah, like I said, complete sickos. Um, you'll come to find that out. Just absolute sickos. I sat down yesterday on Sunday and probably watched uh, sports for a solid 14 hours straight from like the end of the um, Chelsea Arsenal game until Sunday night football and went to bed. Um, my wife probably hates me for it, but it is what it is. Well, it's like Scott Hansen starts every Sunday broadcast with, you know, seven commercial free hours. It's like, buddy, I've been up since six. They put Chelsea yeah. in the fucking early slot this morning. Yeah, he's killing me, but that's okay. Let's um, let's go into maybe 
for everybody else, the podcast, um, if you're sitting here now and you're like fish and fries, what's going on there? So our plan with that was that was a little tongue in cheek thing. Me and Andrew kind of came up with um, boycotting the British um, fish and chips, you know, very popular British dish. I won't call it that anymore because we're boycotting the British because we have to annihilate them in about three weeks time at the World Cup on Black Friday. Um, so not referring into that. I, I love the English game, you know, the English game. I'm calling it the world game. I'm not going to give them credit for the whole game, but <laughs> the um, Premier League, huge sucker for it, huge sucker for Manchester City. But before you let that completely discredit me, I did hop on the bandwagon, you know, before they were a complete powerhouse, right after the Aguero season. And yeah, besides that, though, just the podcast in general, we're going for fish and fries because uh, it's clever. That's what we're calling it from now on. And we hate the British, at least for Absolutely. the next month or so. Absolutely. Um, and because and any American fan of the English game will know, like, you get a lot of English media Sniping down at American con like at Pulisic, at Leeds, at Fulham, right? Like any of that. So it kind of, I know we have the, you know, the World Cup and everything like that coming up, but it's always been there a little bit, right? It's the condescension at us trying to play their game and that kind oh, of Oh, they're snobs. You guys will come to learn. I <laughs> hate the British media. That, like with one, of us, one of us has a stronger feeling about it than the other, but. Oh, I hate them. Um, they're assholes. The worst people, I think, but. We'll get into that later on. We don't. I don't have to go on my soapbox just quite yet. Andrew, why don't you tell us about how like you got into the game and stuff? Give us a quick sure. background into your life. Sure. So, uh, just like Spencer was saying with his Aguero goal, um, I kind of adopted uh, Chelsea after watching the 2012 uh, US, uh, Champions League final. It was really like I got to say, like the first soccer game I've watched, like sat down to watch. You know, open to close and what a game to pick, right? You get Drogba with the header late. You get yeah, Drogba's game-winning penalty right off into the sunset, right? You got this, an incredible team. So I kind of adopted them from there, and and then it's then it's kind of the lonely role of being a soccer fan in America. You're just out here. Do I really want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning? Do I really want to, you know? And you either do or you don't, and, and I did. And that's kind of how I how I got here. A Champions League thing must have been nice. I don't know many happy things about yeah, that myself. It's it's crazy. You should. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. Maybe this year, sometime in the future. Um, it's the I'd only. Love to know. It's the only competition the closest, I have any. The closest anything. joy I ever had. Your team snatched away from me last year, so or two years ago, whatever it was. But right. thanks, Kai. We Havis. survived. We survived that. Asshole. I'm sure we can decide putting this <laughs> podcast together, right? I mean, hundred percent. Kai Havertz. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. a very self-aware Man City fan. I'm not one of those that's just going to run in front of you and just say Pep Guardiola's shit doesn't stink and he's the best person ever. Absolutely. He's pretty good at his job, though. I mean, I don't know how many fi- how many times Abramovich would have fired him, but, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's always interesting to think about. Um, and now we got now we got American Todd Bowley. I'm sure he'll be a big fan of the podcast here. Um, 100%. It's literally our target audience. Um, I'm just trying to get... T- well... Speaking of uh, Chelsea, Andrew, should we get into that, what do you want to call it, debacle yesterday? Uh, if, if we have to. Uh, unfortunately, I'd just call it like a normal occurrence at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was yet another game, and Spencer would know this from many long text messages we sent before we started doing this, but um, it's another game that Chelsea showed up, and they were not the best team in the game, and they kind of sustained 
you know, they didn't go down early, which has been a problem for them, right? They didn't concede. and But sure enough, set pieces and injuries, and it turns out that, as much as I hate to say it, London not, so, not as blue as I'd like it to be at the moment. So just in case you did miss it, it was a one nothing Arsenal uh, at Stamford Bridge yesterday. And the only goal by Gabrielle was kind of like a weird corner. It just, I, it's, it was really like, um, we don't have as much like Sunday league here in America, but you know, British people love to be like, oh, that's super Sunday league, isn't it? So that was like a very Sunday leaguey type goal, wasn't it? Of like, oh, just a corner into the box, like three guys miss it. And there's a guy standing on the goal right. line. And it just like hits him and goes in the net. I was really, it's not a goal you see that often watching like Premier League. It, it felt more like watching like a CONCACAF like qualifier or something between yes. like Honduras and like Panama. Oh, Panama would have, yeah. <laughs> Sorry yeah. for the strays, Honduras and Panama, if you're listening. Hey, man. No, they love it. They that's Hey, man. Goal's a goal in CONCACAF. You got to do it. Um, for whatever reason, that does seem to be the book on like Chelsea on corners this year is hit an in-swinger, hit it really hard. And even like the one that actually scored, Saka did not hit that hard, but hit it hard. Like it's the same type of ball that gave us trouble against Tottenham earlier this year. If you remember the game with Perisic before we got rid of Tuchel, like that's kind of the book, right? Is to hit it hard and swing it in there. Um, And really just kind of overall, we're missing pieces there at the back Um, without Reese James, without, I mean, Koulibaly can't even get some minutes. It's, it's what I would do. It seems to be working for everybody else. Um, not to take any way th- anything away from Arsenal, although I would have loved to take some points away from Arsenal or anything else there. But I'd have loved um, it too, man. I'd they, have loved it too. They, you needed it more than I did. Um, <laughs> but really, they they broke the press a couple of times, and you just go like, you know, beautiful passing through the middle, right? Stuff we, me and you have both seen when our teams are playing well. Just like, oh, right through the middle, right? Odegaard back to Xhaka, Xhaka out the wing to Martinelli, Martinelli into Jesus, right? Like, choo-choo-choo-choo, right? Right up the field. And Chelsea couldn't do anything with it. Is it easy to sit here as a Chelsea fan and go, well, N'Golo Tante, nobody breaks up more plays than them. Reese James on the wing would have done more with Martinelli than Azpilicueta did. But at the same time right now, it's hard to not just kind of tip your hat and be like, well, I hope Potter can get it figured out. He certainly hasn't yet, but hopefully he can. He's, um... I think it's interesting with Potter. I, I see like it's probably just idiots on Twitter. Like, but I saw a couple people being like Potter out, which is just sensationally idiotic to me. Um, but I, I do believe he's a very good manager. But I, I am wondering from like a Chelsea perspective, is it like a little weird to think because in the Abramovich era, it was always uh, we're not doing too good. We'll. Um, hire another world-class manager and like, like the Tuchel is a perfect example, like bad season under Lampard and you bring in Tuchel, you go on, you finish top four, you win the champions league that year. Is it a bit of a odd pivot, I guess, as a Chelsea fan to go to a guy that's more of a like long-term project manager now under Todd Bowley, like he's bringing in a guy, you guys have signed like a bunch of young guys in the off season. Is it a bit, different to be like it's a longer term approach compared to years past it's clearly a culture shift right and like you have new leadership at the top and like Abramovich was super famous for we buy the best players in the world or close to it and then we chop and change right we will get somebody in here who it will work with and now bullies admitted we're not really doing that right we're making big changes we have 
all these older players, right? We kind of missed in recruitment the last couple of years, right? Um, Lukaku not working out. Ziyech not working out, right? Um, I'm sure there are three guys I'm forgetting who didn't work out really, right? Um, but now we're like Rudiger leaving for free, Christensen leaving for free. Even if you want to say those are kind of unavoidable just with the Abramovich mess and all that last year, that's fine. But now we are where we are and it's a building thing. So you're right. Seeing it on Twitter, you're going to see people who are not going to be patient, right? They've never had to be patient. They don't know how to be patient. It's not that I'm calling them the Yankees, but it's that kind of thing of go sign another $150 million pitcher. Why isn't this working? Well, especially right. when in the offseason, like you signed a bunch of project guys, but you were also throwing, what, like $70 million at Kukurea and other yeah. guys. So they, I mean, they're still in the mindset of, oh, we're still throwing big money at guys. So why aren't the results coming right away? I, I, th- I think it's just a big change in philosophy, philosophy for the fan base. And that's tough. Um, but at the same time, like I think you wouldn't do it a little bit before, like missing, like, especially Reese James, dude. He's so good. He's just, he's so good. I would, I, it kills you. I would love to see him in a Manchester city shirt. Um, That would just be the best thing in the world for Except for our friendship. Be super bad for our friendship. A huge problem. Um, But but yeah, like we're, yeah, we're missing. It's not as, yeah, it's, it's not, it's like, I still think Chelsea's at that level um, of a very well-established top four, at least top six team. And, it's a little bit uneven. The results might be a little bit uneven this year, but like even if Tuchel was still there and they're losing games, it's when you're missing a couple of your best players, like N'Golo is so important too. It's just going to be hard to compete with anybody, much less the current league leaders, which we should probably get into Arsenal a little bit. We shouldn't just make this completely Chelsea talk. Like right. They're really good and people have been kind of you know, poking fun at, oh yeah, they're title contenders this year. Like I haven't the whole time. I obviously got to experience Miguel Arteta for, Mikhail Arteta for a while at Manchester City. And he's a very smart football mind. And they were very smart to not sack him last year when they had that terrible start. And Kind of, he's in a similar situation. Not to throw it back to Chelsea, but just to say, like, what Potter kind of is going through right now. Of, I think Potter's a brilliant football mind, uh, just like Arteta was. And if they give him some time to build this, I think you guys are going to be in a much better spot in the long run. But what Arteta's built at Arsenal is like really impressive, man. Like Saka is, he's terrible. He's terrifying going into a World Cup. I hate it yes. as a U.S. fan. He's terrifying. Martinelli is, I, I just saw today, Martinelli made the Brazil squad and yeah. like Gabby Jesus, like I saw him at City and he's a different player there. He's Jesus unleashed. Um, he couldn't stay on side when he, he was in Manchester City for five, six years, but I digress. But that's a scary squad and like Saliba at the back really ties it together too. Like he is yeah. a terrifying presence and yep. I, they are. They're for real this year, man. What do you think? I, I think part of it is that, like, not – I mean, the, the two central – I talk about the spine of the team, right? But you have Gabrielle, who's prone to red cards, right? Nasty. You have Saliba, who doesn't seem to ever let anything face him, right? So you have just solid in the back there. And then, like, over the past couple of years, man, like, I know Jacques has been 
I don't know, much maligned. Is that a way to say it? But like, guy's got a heck of a left foot, and you can't say he doesn't care. He's not fiery. He's right? a decent player. He, right? he's, I think he's always gotten flack for, you know, he's taken some bad red cards. I don't deny that. He's he's had some bonehead moves, but he's a good player. He's a very right. good player. Oh, I, I watch him and I go, okay, I understand you aren't, you know, the most elite player in the world, but as somebody who, you know, we've – you've won the league and with or you've helped had your team win the league with city. I've had my team win stuff too. Like you need those guys really. You do like Like the guy who cares too much, but has a rocket left foot and he could do something. Yeah. He's like kind of like Fernandinho esque, like just that kind of older veteran that kind of brings the team together. And it like just is out there kind of enforcing Fernandinho was a lot better at like, you know, the dark arts of like not getting hooked and stuff, but he was better at soccer. Well, um. yeah, but I mean, I, I think from like seeing the city teams that were very successful, like even like last year, um, Fernandinho wasn't always in the squad, but just having that presence around, I think is a lot more important than people realize. And I think Jaka, like you remember a few years back when like he was voted the captain of Arsenal and like it was a big, how are you making this guy the captain type thing? But he's like voted by all the players and that means something. And like yeah. the players, the squad obviously gravitates towards this guy and he's playing really well right now, along with the rest of the team. Um, oh, and, and Partey, I don't think gets enough credit in there too. Yeah. Right. I mean, really you talk about like, you just can't get past it. Right. Like mm-hmm. you like, and Chelsea tried, they had a couple good moves and guess what? You're running to party or you're running to Xhaka, you run into Gabriel or you run into uh, Saliba. You're not getting around him. Ben White, they don't really play with a right back, but then Zinchenko can do, go do anything you want. Um, I was going to ask you just as a City fan with this new Arsenal team, what is Zinchenko and Jesus, what are they asked to do differently with Arsenal than they were with City? Mm, I really just think it's more of a like freedom thing. Like City's so, and not it's not a criticism, it's just they're so structured watching them. And it's very much like outside of um, really Kevin De Bruyne and now Erling Holland because he's just up there as a robot doing whatever he wants to put the ball into the net. Um, there's not a lot of like creative expression in the team, I guess I'd say. Um, like when you look at Foden, he's got like a little bit of flair about him. Like I think that's a big reason why the Grealish thing, uh, not to get on a tangent, hasn't worked superbly well is that Grealish, when you look at him at Villa a few years ago, he's a very creative on the ball player and that's not really going to work in pep ball that well like it's it's a system and for the most part nobody's bigger than the system um and, and the system works i mean even in seasons where kdb's not been out there like he's we've won titles because the system is so good so i think when you put them at arsenal and arteta obviously rates them he knows their skill sets particularly a guy like Jesus, like that's, he's kind of freed him. He's kind of unleashed him and allowed him to do the things that makes him um, spectacular. The things he does more often for Brazil and stuff. He's playing for country, but with city, it was a little more like, Hey, play within us play. Like it's, it's kind of the Aguero thing. Even like when Aguero was there, like he was scoring goals under Pep, but Pep was never a huge Aguero guy because he was, you know, doing, taking shots from weird places or making runs he didn't agree with, but Aguero is a naturally talented finisher. It's, it's, it's just the argument of if Pep could play with 
11 number 10s, he would do that every single time and twice on Sunday. And if you don't fall into that system kind of thing and you've got a little more expression in your game, like a J, particularly a Jesus, it doesn't always fit as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, not that you guys don't have one skillful players or like, I just don't want it to be seem that way that, oh yeah, Man City just has these robots. It's like, no, you guys got Mares and Bernardo Silva and Yao Cancelo before he leaves the game. Um, but like you have all these we'll players that, that are incredibly, yeah, we'll get to that, uh, incredibly skilled, but Pep gets them to do what he wants them to do and their skill comes out at the right time. I think it can be said like, I mean, I watched Jesus play not as closely as you did at City, but you know, we we played him twice a year, right? That type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen in the past two years that Tiago Silva has been with Chelsea. I haven't seen someone give as much trouble out of the press to Tiago Silva specifically than Jesus did this then um, on Saturday, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's pressing him, right? He's everywhere. And you can rattle the Chelsea team. I mean, pretty easy. Look at the standing standings this year. Um, but to actually get to Jesus or get to Tiago Silva himself. And then you guys throw Zinchenko in the, in the midfield, right. For Arsenal. And now they've got an overload in the midfield of a team that's usually trying to play in there with two or with Jorginho and Kovacic. And it doesn't, you know, the passing isn't always great, but they flooded the midfield and then pressed our center backs. Chalaba didn't have anything to do, right. There was, there was nowhere to go. And Chelsea not having their stars, uh, you know, not the only excuse we can have for that, but I think it comes down to if Reese James and Nagolo Conte are playing, is this a completely different game? Yeah, but they don't have them and all credit to Arsenal. And speaking of uh, Cancelo and playing in limited minutes, uh, Spencer survived at Fulham this weekend. What was do we have ad. to say? Yeah, whatever. But, we have, uh, but what do you think, man? Um, honestly, at the end of it, the thing I really came away with is <laughs> I'm a very spoiled person to root for a team that can go down to 10 for like 75% <laughs> of the game, and they still dominated possession. It still looked like, uh, to take, like if they were at Fulham, it looked like a, a city away game at Fulham where they're sitting behind the ball and they're not like, pressing or anything like Fulham um man like I just think from their perspective um it was 2-1 City obviously a late penalty by Holland but I think from Fulham's perspective it was probably um they're not really in that relegation battle right now you hope they won't be there at the end of the season if you're them but it's a tough loss um to watch that I think as a Fulham fan and see that you really had a chance to steal points. If you looked at the fixtures before the season started, you thought, Hey, we're not going to get anything out of this game. And they really had something and they didn't really go for it. They never went for the jugular in this game. Um, they got to one, one with the penalty and the sending off of Kinsella, which we can tackle how I feel about that in a second. But despite that, get it to one, one, um, on the road at city and they never went for it, man. They just, they continued to sit back. They let city dictate the game and they held firm for about as long as you could. And at the very end, KDB wins a penalty, which I have some thoughts on that as well. (laughs) And 
Holland. It wasn't the most convincing of penalties, but it sneaks past. And yeah, that's yeah, kind of. They all just got to go in. And no one, no one's seen more penalties that are maybe a little bit weak than uh, a guy who watches Jorginho. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm literally convinced that um, Leno was just expecting Holland because he's just seen him, you know, just absolutely hit laser beams into the net all the time. That when Holland hit one, that was like, uh, like for him, almost no pace on there. Like it's, it's yeah, a do you very think he missed slow the ball? shot. I think he I missed don't the ball. know. Like if you I don't know. like. It's like in it's like in golf when someone you see somebody's like you watch like the tracer and it's like oh they swung incredibly hard but they barely hit the ball that's yeah, why it's 100%. like I, yeah. I well I was just watching it I was like maybe I'm looking into it too much but I was like is Holland just a genius and that he was like well if I hit it slow he's not going to expect it it's like a pitcher throwing their change up when the guy's expecting a fastball type of thing. And he's just like, yeah, even if he dives the right way, it's going to go under him because he's going to be diving because he thinks I'm hammering it <laughs> like with Thor's hammer of my left foot into the top corner. So when it goes on the ground at like half the speed you're expecting, um, maybe Leno never had a shot. Maybe, like I said, I'm probably just looking too deep into it. He probably mishit it or something. But maybe it's one of, the it's goal one of the scoring to- genius of Erling Holland is just more multidimensional than we even know. I think it's one of the ways that uh, – and uh, yeah. I think it's the ways are obvious. So I'll just say this one, but it's one of the ways that Holland is so much like Trevor Hoffman, right? Those two are just always being compared. I think it's a really good, you know, he hit him with the changeup and there's nothing you can do, um, which is insane. Um, tough. What I, I thought personally a tough call on that red card on Kinsella. Um, so I get why it happened, but at the same time, didn't love it. So here's where I'm at, and we're going to get into another one later on. Um, it was uh, Alexander Arnold on, I believe it was Perisic in the uh, Tottenham-Liverpool game, but I won't mm-hmm. tread too far ahead. But it's a very similar challenge. Cancelo definitely, I'm not not being biased here, Cancelo definitely barges into him harder than Trent did. Um, they weren't particularly like the same exactly or anything, but they were similar and that one was not a penalty. He wasn't lasting on goal. He wasn't one man to beat, like one on one with the tender. So it wasn't um, that for qualifying for a red card, but it wasn't even a foul in that Tottenham game. And it was a bit interesting to me. They were very similar. Um, I guess where I'm at, at the end of it, it is a foul. It's a penalty and it is on the last man. I understand why all the things that happened happened. I would just say that me personally, if I'm nitpicking, I don't love the rule or just even the idea that now in the whatever it was, 25th minute or whatever, um, my team's going down a man. And I think for anything, it changes the game. In most circumstances, that kind of ends the game um, for the other team. It's just a matter of City as a machine. So it's a little different for them. But like, I don't know. Imagine if it's a... um if it was in the Chelsea Arsenal game, say even, and um, if Chalaba does that to Jesus or something, the game's probably over right there. Even if it is one, one, uh, if Arsenal's mm-hmm. going 11 on 10, it's probably over. So just the double jeopardy. I don't love. Um, that's just more me nitpicking. I understand why it was a penalty. I understand why it's a sending off, but if I'm nitpicking, I don't love the rule, but what can you do? Like I said, at the end of the day, when you, have a team that can survive in spite of 10 men against another team that's quite 
su- surprisingly doing quite well this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really just that's kind of what I came away at the end of it as I was very spoiled. Yeah, and 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 it's easy to against you know a a lesser side, right? No 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 shots at Fulham with calling them a lesser side. The city that's been every team in the league for the past two years, um, but a team with Tim Ream, Jedi Robinson at the back, right? Competing and keeping it close. I think that's the right call for them not to push it and everything else, right? 11 on 11, you sit all the way back, right? When you get the penalty and when you get not only the red card and you get the goal, right? I would sit even farther back than you were going to 11 on 11, right? You think so? If you're Fulham against City, yeah. If you're Fulham against... I don't know, any other team, then you consider attacking, right, and pushing it, right? Goal differential is going to really matter if you're mid-table or low to mid-table. But if you can get a point at City, you're, you know, that's, that's like you said earlier, that's way more than they can actually plan on. Yeah, right? I, I see your table. point. I definitely see your point. But I think it's just, if I'm a Fulham fan, um, I'm very much understanding that I, like going into it when I woke up, on Saturday morning, if I'm, you know, a Fulham guy, I'm not expecting much. I'm hoping for just a good performance. And if we get a result of any sort, I'll be happy. So uh, I do understand your point of like getting one point would be amazing. I just think when you're playing with a team like City and you kind of got them, especially like I've, I've seen it in the past with City, especially like in the Champions League, there's some nightmares in Anfield I can recall that they are a bit fragile at times. So if you can get to them, after something like that, um, it's it's really a shot to go for it. Like if they would have, even for the first, for the rest of the first half, say, if they kind of went for it and were maybe able to bag a goal, because that defensive line, like I'll tell you, like God love them, um, defense is not their forte. Like there's some good guys back there, but like Cancelo's a left winger that's just playing further back on the field. Like he's he's shown a couple times that, defense is not going to be something very helpful and they don't even have like a guy like Kyle Walker on the other side who's more defensive minded so it's really those two center backs and Rodri and if you can get past them like you got a chance and you bring it down to 10 I don't know man I say you go for it and you go for those three points because you're playing with house money at that point right but oh well I get what you're saying but playing with house money they didn't get any points they they <laughs> they they didn't they weren't defensive enough Right. I mean, when you have KDB in the middle field, it only takes one ball over the top. It only takes one, you know, you go for the ball, he turns you, and now you're screwed. But well, all, um, all it really took was one, you know, stud to the back of KDB's ankle. <laughs> because I, I, I'll go into it. I'm, like I said, I'm going to stay as down the middle as I can. It's a penalty on Jedi Robinson, but um, I can understand. I, I can understand if you're a Fulham fan and that you're very frustrated with that because he did not hit him that hard. It was a glancing little blow to his Achilles. I mean, I'm not going to say KDB dove. I don't think he dove because if you get a metal spike to your Achilles, it probably doesn't feel too good. But the way in which he made it look, it, it looked like he was stabbed 
with a knife in the back <laughs> of the egg. Like he, it was so, I don't even know how to, it was artistic, how beautifully it like touched him and he coordinatedly like fell and stuff. I may, it's so hard. I'm just, all I'm saying is basically he dove, but I don't think he dove. If that well, makes I, any sense. Okay. So then to, it was to, take your, to take your bias out of it, I kind of feel like you have to put the onus on the referee to not call it right with however much, however many years of soccer I've watched as much as we all would love for players to try to play through it. And if they happen to go down, go down. Right. Or, but they don't get the call when they muscle through. Right. They, I, I generally think they don't. Right. Like I think, especially like a guy like Holland, right. He's giant. No one's mm-hmm. pushing him off of anything. Let's be real. He's the biggest, strongest, fastest guy out there. If yeah, he doesn't a- go down when he sh- gets legitimately fouled or, you know, it looks like he gets fouled, he's never getting the call because as a person, I feel like you can rationalize like, well, yeah, that guy's way bigger. Of course he had to get in front of him or, you know, go at his ankles or something like that. Right. Yeah. There's but- a well-established <laughs> pattern of not calling penalties when guys stay up. I Like, I think it's something that, Americans really struggle with when they're first getting into soccer, like because diving. <laughs> it's it's getting a little better, like I guess here because like the NBA, there's a lot of flopping going on. Um, there's more and more of it working its way into like the NHL and stuff. Um, it, what I would you, you see it in the NFL, I think, kind of often with quarterbacks now, like they'll go down. And oh, stuff for sure. So it's it's there's there used to be no appetite for it. It's getting a little more, and still, it's very hot button in the u.s but yeah like it's it's a thing in soccer man you got to go down because if you just try to power through it you're not rewarded here's here's how i would put it to the casual american fan who sees someone fall down when they don't need to right and gets a penalty your natural reaction like you said as an american is oh that guy's soft all the all the negative things people say about soccer fans here i put it to you this way as a cubs fan we had anthony rizzo what does he do That guy can hit homers, plays a great first base, but he stands right on top of the plate, daring you to hit him, right? It's the pitcher's job. You got to throw it inside still against him, but he's standing where he's legally allowed to stand. And if it hits him, he takes his base. Think of it more that way and less in a infuriating football or basketball way where it seems like a purposeful action to do that, right? If Rizzo just backed up off first off the, off the plate, he wouldn't be as good of a hitter he is. If you don't go down in the box when someone's bringing you down, you're not going to score. You're not going to earn a penalty for your team. It's the most important thing. Yeah, I, I think overall, just um, it's a penalty. I believe it was definitely a penalty on Jedi. Tough break for him. Uh, a little bit of a silly challenge, honestly, by him. Um, but it's just class from Kevin De Bruyne. He just kind of turned him, and Jedi was in a tough spot. Um Better for him to get out of the way now, right? Because in a Absolutely. few weeks, I can't have any of that. So that's <laughs> not, all I really not got the on first, Not the first, not the last guy to uh, get made a fool of by Kevin De Bruyne. Let's just get yes. it out of our system now. Um, Most certainly not. Um, so speaking of games that were going on on Saturday, at the same time as that City game, um, I was kind of getting a lot of FOMO because in the top right-hand corner where they're showing the scoreboard, <laughs> I just keep seeing goal, 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 and what might be the match of the season. Uh, Leeds against Bournemouth. What a fucking game. Oh, my God. First of all, seven goals. 
seven goals. Like this is the kind of wide open play that Jesse Marsh has kind of been bringing to the Premier League, our our American coach there. Um, and you know he's he's kind of caught in a lot of flack for that. Leeds has not been as good as they were last season, right? They're they're building back up towards it, but um, seven goals, goal from Rodrigo. Greenwood, Liam Cooper, and then I cannot say that dude's first name, but Somerville, um, and Bournemouth with Tavernier, Billing, and Solanke. But to go down, to score early, then go down 3-1, to one, that game's over. I don't right care after how, halftime, too. Like right the after worst halftime. Part, yeah, the worst part for, like, Marsh is he's already, like, kind of getting it from the fans at 2-1 because they blew the one nothing lead with that early penalty. And, you know... Let the fans reset. Let them go get their sausage rolls or whatever the hell they eat at freaking games in England. Fish and fries for sure. Fish and yeah, fish and fries. Whatever the hell they're serving up at Ellen Road. And he comes back. Fans have kind of maybe cooled off and stuff. It's not as much of a cauldron as it was going to halftime when they're booing him. And like, what was it? Like three, four minutes after halftime, Bournemouth just gets another one, and it's just immediately. Like, Oh man, I because I I was watching City obviously like I said in the scoreboard and I see it at two one and a half and I'm like, well, there's obviously the talk about Jesse Marsh being on the hot seat and stuff and he's our guy, he's American, so I got to root for him. And I see it go to three one and I'm just like, oh, man, it's not, it's gonna happen, isn't it? He's it's just not gonna work. They're gonna they're gonna sack him, aren't they? And I was, I was hoping it wouldn't like at three one at least. I'm like, okay, well, stop the bleeding. Right. Really. I'm like, stop the bleeding, man. Like, and no, just fights back. Just an absolute barn burner of a game. Um, Especially, I mean, Greenwood scoring a ring at three, two, and then Cooper. What a goal that was too. I mean, there were some great goals in this game, like some really great goals. There was a lot of great goals just this weekend. Like it was one of the better goal weekends I've seen, but that Greenwood finished was amazing. Kind of just got leads, you know, settled down back into the game a little bit. Cause it was a cracker. It was just kind of out of off a corner out of nowhere, just settled them back into the game. Um, they get another corner later on, score off that corner, and then the ball to Somerville on the winner, the finish too. It's just great. But um, I'll tell you what, it's like awesome. It's two straight weeks of Leeds doing this late, late show thing and winning and kind of rescuing potentially Jesse Marsh's job. Like yeah. at some point, they're going to have to figure out this defense though, man. Like. They've, they've got to stop just leaking goal. Like Bournemouth's not a high flying team. Um, at some <laughs> point, we've you, you got to be able to keep them out of your net because I trust me. Um, the rock and roll football thing is fun. Like Liverpool do it to a, a immaculate level. They have on, for years under Jurgen Klopp. But you know Leeds is not Liverpool. They don't have the talent to keep doing that. And at some point, they're going to have to stop leaking goals if they're going to get a good up. run of form. Yeah, because. If they if, if they get to a point where they feel like they're going down, they won't hesitate to sack Jesse Marsh 100%. No, and, and, and they shouldn't, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they have to do what's right for them. I mean, they got rid of Bielsa, which, I mean, you remember how many people were like, oh, Bielsa's our hero, Bielsa's this. You know what I mean? And really bringing him up, he was, right? They're great Netflix or uh, Amazon docs on those. But the way they play, right? And, like, they're missing so many – not missing so many guys, but they lost so much attacking talent, Right. Rafinha going from Leeds right to Barcelona. That's insane. 
right? Like they have that kind of they have that kind of uh, attacking talent leave, and they're still putting up four goals, three goals all the time. Yeah, the goals um, don't seem like the problem. Um, I, no. I, I don't con- I don't confess to watch a ton of them. I when they're on and there's not a better game on, I'm throwing leads on just to see how our guys are doing. But the goals don't seem to be the issue. Like they've been scoring all year. It's just a matter of like the, and the thing is like Melier is like a really good keeper. Like he's a really good keeper. Yes. And he's just kind of on an Island back there sometimes, man. They got to try to sort that out a bit. If Jesse really wants to stay safe, I um, just looked ahead. They've got Tottenham in London next weekend. So tough one right before the break. But I mean, I'd have to imagine that no matter, unless they go out and just get absolutely hammered, like nine, nothing like pull at Bournemouth against um, Liverpool or something. You got to imagine Jesse's probably like safe, at least through the world cup break. But at some point, if they're going to keep this momentum going, they're going to have to just start keeping the ball out of the net. And speaking of Tottenham, uh, Leeds opponent next week that we were just talking about. They had Liverpool in London this weekend, and this was a pretty solid game, Andrew. 2-1 Liverpool, Mo Salah with both the goals. Harry Kane kind of pulled one out of nowhere. I shouldn't say out of nowhere. They played a pretty good second half, but he pulled one out late, 70th minute or so, and they just couldn't ever find that equalizer. They had, and Spurs have had this issue, they don't play a full game. Right, they put again forty-five minutes in against games against Chelsea earlier this year. They put in a really good thirty minutes in the middle of the first half, but they let it go in early or late. And as someone who's had to deal with Antonio, as someone who's had to deal with Antonio Conte in the past, a lot of that is it's so system focused that it takes away from the players a little bit. Kind of like we were talking about with Arteta doing such a good job of that earlier with Arsenal, right? Taking these round pegs and not putting them in square holes, right? Make the peg shape different. I think sometimes Conte gets so locked into that 3-4-3, right? And he's got so much attacking talent that setting up that way always makes sense. But, you know, you look at that midfield and it's good. It's not great it's definitely not bossing around Liverpool's midfield and you look at that attack and that attack it's hard to say they shouldn't compete with everybody in the league but they're not week in and week out a double from Salah and you know all of a sudden the defense the team that's so defensive focused is like well now we really got to push now we can't play quote-unquote our game the thing is they look great when they push they look fantastic even without like um Richarlison was out. Kulishevsky came on as a sub, but he wasn't there for the whole game. Son wasn't playing. Um, they look still like they can hang with any team in the league. They just, it's it's just like they choose not to do it. They just, they were atrocious in the first half. Full disclosure, I will tell you guys, I just fell asleep like in the first <laughs> half. They put me to sleep. They were terrible. They were mm-hmm. objectively horrid in the first half. They didn't try. Like that Salah goal, even the defending on that was the first one, I should say, it was pretty atrocious that he had time to kind of bring it down in the box, get a touch and then fire into the corner. Nobody really closed him down. Um, the second goal, like probably doesn't happen normally. Like it's just a terrible error by Eric Dyer. Um, you know, save right. a couple of those for the World Cup, Eric, please. <laughs> and 
I, I mean, I just don't know. Like they just, they don't show up for such large portions of the game and they're having such an uneven season of like, they, they were pretty damn close to not getting out of their group in the champions league. I do believe I, I don't have the standing in front of me. I do believe they won their group, but like, dude, they almost didn't make it out. It was a very tight group into the very end. They did some last minute heroics in like a couple of the games and that would have been a disaster for them to go out in the group stage. And they they sit they sit fourth, right? But even like in the Premier League right now, right? And you got Arsenal top, then City, Newcastle shocking shocking everybody, but a year a year early, two years early, right? A little early. But then you have Man United, right? They're like to put it this way, Tottenham is making the most of a bad draw. Like of everybody else not playing well, Chelsea's not playing well. Liverpool's not playing well. It's just Tottenham a weird season, done, man. Tottenham hasn't done anything to be fourth. They just happen to be fourth, mm-hmm. right? They just kind of yeah. found themselves there. There's no yeah. reason for them to be. Yeah, like we're gonna get into it a little bit later. There's just like a big mush in the table this year. Like, um, I won't tread on that. I won't mow that lawn too much now. But like, they they have it. I read somewhere too, like. That's one of their best starts they've ever had, at least um, up until a few weeks ago. And they're still like so unimpressive. It's it's kind of the Conte thing, right? Like just results over everything, style of play be damned. But like it's it's got to be tough as a fan to just watch your team. And even when you're winning, you're just like, man, this is drab. They've had some really exciting finishes, which probably leaves you with a good taste in your mouth at the end of the game. but. Mm-hmm. It's such a drab style of play. It's got to like suck to watch them go. Obviously, it didn't work this week, but like to go away to like I don't know a freaking Bournemouth. We're just shitting on Bournemouth today, but like go away to a Bournemouth. <laughs> Southampton, like, Southampton, we'll Southampton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got we got plenty of shitting on Southampton to do later on. Let's not get too ahead <laughs> of ourselves. But anyway, to go away to like a lower table side and just watch them like. Oh yay, we're gonna grind out a one nothing with a penalty, like a weird penalty in like the sixty eighth minute. Woohoo! And we're gonna play like shit most of the time, and we're sitting like with nine behind the ball against a team that we're objectively way better than. And and as someone who's really benefited from a Conte team, right? We won the league with Antonio Conte at Chelsea. We had a an incredible team, right? But he got the most out of like Victor Moses. Right. Yeah. Victor Moses is not a capable soccer player at this level. Mm-hmm. Right. So he can get that kind of performance out of those guys. But then with other guys, if it's not working perfectly, right, like you're you're right. It's brutal to watch. But if it's two one or if it's two nil, it's fine. It only shows up when you guys can't get a kick in on the ball. Liverpool bossed the game from mid table, which is fun to say. We all love having Liverpool mid table, but um they really were not the best. Like, it, it looked, if you didn't know anything about soccer, you'd have no idea that these teams are supposed to be on paper on equal footing and that one team has actually more attacking talent than Liverpool. Yeah, um, we should, but, um, we should get into Liverpool a little bit. And yeah, it's not let's, let's talk. Like, like they played well enough to get the points. To, like, like I said, though, like it's, the solid goal, it's a nice move by them. I don't want to take anything away from them. Sure. I think the Tottenham defending was a bit suspect, but it's a nice move by them. They played a good first half, but like kind of what we're getting into is 
was that more Tottenham playing a bad first half? And the second goal was ultimately the, the winner in the game. Like it's just, it's, I, I, I struggle with this with Liverpool sometimes. Like they have all these weird, like fortunate goals happen to them a lot. And a lot of that's like due to their system. They are so rock and roll heavy presser pressure that like they didn't do nothing. It's not like just Eric Dyer just played a terrible back pass with no pressure on him. He was getting pressured. He heads that back and it's, just terrible puts Mo Salah in but like it is part to like their press and stuff and they do some things well but it was kind of just another uneven showing by them at the end is kind of what I thought and it's just kind of goes into what's been in a very uneven season for Liverpool and we're kind of starting to see a trend here of like they're really good. They're like right there in the league and everything like some years. It's it's almost become like an every other year thing. Like, and I kind of said it to you as a joke before the season started. Right. Like, this is a bad Liverpool year. And that's like, yeah, a joke, but it's kind of becoming a trend of like, you know, they won that title in um, 20 and then they have a kind of pretty, really miserable title defense the next year mm-hmm. and then last year they're there and they i mean they took it down to the very end of winning a quadruple almost Did and this year they look decent in the champions league outside of being thumped by napoli but like this is very quickly turning into just a champions league or bust season for them i guess the cups if however much stock you put into those but they they're, didn't they're show almost me out of the league the fact that liverpool yeah. is really not at all a fact i mean we could all be sitting here eating with our words or eating our words here because you know we've seen them do it before right get hot put on a run Klopp's a great coach but at the same time like <clears throat> they were so propped up in those seasons by like the magic of sala right that if he's anything other than obviously the best player in the premier league right they're not at the same level. Um, mm-hmm. I think their biggest thing right now is the midfield. Their midfield doesn't have any, which it's crazy to say about a midfield with Tiago most of the time, but like they don't have any, I'm not afraid of their midfield, right? During the title defense season, unless Conte was going to play out of his mind as a Chelsea fan, I never thought we were going to win the midfield, right? Maybe we can do a stalemate. Maybe we can get by him a couple of times, but if you're not going to be, a dominant midfield team with that press that Klopp loves to have, right? If you get past that immediate first line, then it's just not great midfield and Virgil van Dyke and some dudes back there. It's the type of thing that, um, and we saw it against city a few weeks ago, like on their day, they can still hang with anybody, but they're just so uneven this year. Um, you don't know when you're going to get good Liverpool or bad Liverpool. And as long as that keeps up, they're not going to, put together a good enough run to have a chance to get into this. Cause I mean, we've seen it over years. It's it, it, I'm not just saying it cause it's my team. Like cities, they might have a slip up of a run. It's going to be like three games in a row and then they're going to be right back and they, they, they can rattle off, you know, 15, 16, 17 games straight. So Liverpool, they've just about already run themselves out of runway, even if they go on a great run. I'm not saying they have to sell the team or anything, but I mean, seriously, this is the kind of thing that's that they need to get figured out. I mean, they make a big money signing in Nunez and he's been good. He's not been Holland, but 
he's been pretty good this year as a striker. I know you uh, can't help but compare the two. But um, hey, the English media started that, not me, buddy. <laughs> well, you're finishing it for sure. No, um, I'll finish and, it. And, and like Holland, you're finishing everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, it, like, and then this morning, right? So a good day for Liverpool, right? Get by when you're not playing the best, take down a top six team, right? And they're gonna get sold. I just yeah. like seeing that this morning was shocking. Right. I, I've heard a couple other people make good points about, you know, people, especially in the English media, love to talk about how Liverpool has this structure and they don't buy these big, important play. You know, they don't buy these guys. They get them on the cheap and do things the right way. Those margins are disappearing. Right. Like being able to do it on the margins. It's like, you know, Atalanta's doing it on the margins. Right. Napoli's doing it on the margins. If you're going to do it on the it's, margins, you have to move those margins to bigger numbers. That's the only it's way. It's been extremely impressive, honestly, that they've been able to stay as fantastic as they have, despite really, really, really splashing the cash. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love the I, – I, maybe I'm a bit defensive sometimes. I don't love the like, oh, Liverpool don't spend any money compared to City. Like they threw – a lot of money at like Nunez. They threw a, a lot of money at Virgil and stuff, but consistently, no, they don't spend as much money as City, and they're still step for step with them every single year for the last admirable. five years, mostly. Right? It's yeah. very admirable, and it's going to be very interesting to see who ends up buying them and if they stick to a similar strategy or if they become just a let's throw money at our problems type of club. Um, and I don't know which is better for them, honestly. This is obviously what they're doing now is working pretty well. And is it like we said, sustainable uh, though? Yeah, I, think I don't that's know if kind it's of where just, I think that's kind of where maybe this idea of like if you're it's Fenway Sports Group, I think is is who owns yes. it, right? But you know, if they don't want to play the game of hundred million dollar transfers, right? If they are just looking at the books, going, yeah, we're not doing that. They got to get out now, right? For them. And it's, you know, it takes some Todd Bowley-ish, you know, millionaire, billionaire to come in here and spend the money and not care about a profit, really. It'll definitely be interesting to see which route they go um, as far as an owner and see what kind of strategy they adapt. All right, moving on from Liverpool Tottenham. Um, just otherwise, you know, glance over some of the other games from the weekend. Um Newcastle, you kind of mentioned it earlier. They're up to third, 4-1 at Southampton. Um, for whatever you think Southampton is, which we'll have a bit to get into them in a second. But Newcastle look good, man. And they, like you said, they're <laughs> ahead of schedule. And it's um, it's a bit scary like to think that maybe this is like how the rest of the league, like maybe this is like a new experience for me, but this is like a – Oh, so that's what having a country behind you and good players can do. Like, oh my <laughs> God, that is terrifying. Like, we played them earlier this year. We got that 3 3 draw there, and that result's looking better and better, like, by the day. <laughs> I, I can tell you, I can uh, speak. You were not thrilled about that when it happened. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, you got Miguel Almoron in the goals, a guy they had and was kind of thought less of, especially by your boy Grealish there. He's scoring um, for fun. Grealish woke up a beast. Fun. MLS captain, Miggy. Um, and then you have like, seriously, if you just even look at these goals outside of uh, Gimaresh in the 90th, it's Chris Wood, who people don't think is great, 
right? He was mm-hmm. for years like, oh, he can't really do it. But then he's at Burnley, so whatever. He was like a running joke. Right, exactly. And then you got Joe Willick who like, is he going to be any good? Is he going to be off? And then like the thing I always just can't get over is just like how good of a coach is their coach to just be like, yeah, uh, that's our striker. We're going to have him play midfield. That literally doesn't happen. Eddie right? Howe is <laughs> solid, man. Like I, I, I thought when they signed him, like even when – he was at Bournemouth. Like I thought he had Bournemouth of punching above their weight and stuff too. Like Eddie Howe's solid. Yeah. He's got like that's kind of the scary Bournemouth. thing is they 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 haven't thrown like a shitload of money into it yet. Like no, Gimaresh is like Isak, really yeah. yeah, like he's really good. Isak's really good. Like those are big signings, but they haven't gone like crazy crazy. Like I mean, like like you said, Joel Linton, we thought he was a failed signing a couple of years ago. He's like, oh, I'll just play him at midfield. And now he's <laughs> one of the best midfielders in the league, man. It's it's what if really we something. The striker from Brazil and have him play a true eight. Is that cool? And like huh. yeah, it works. And you know, like you can laugh about like, you know, the industry of Brazilian strikers, right? Like Jesus, we were talking about earlier, Bobby Firmino, famous in the press. Maybe they just all have just extra midfielders. Maybe there are no true Brazilian strikers anymore. It's just all guys who either are Neymar out on the wing or should be playing midfield, to be honest. I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, they just, there's something in the water there in Brazil nowadays because they just produce just really good all around footballers. It feels like there's a lot of guys from there you can just plug into any spot in the field and they would at least be able to hold their own. But moving on from Newcastle, like Southampton, man. Um, sitting near the bottom of the table and Ralph who Hassan who gets the boot. Yeah. Uh, can't say I'm surprised. Um, I mean, but you look at a lineup that they're throwing out there and you know, we're big premier league fans and half the time you're going, who, who? Oh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're playing Theo Walcott. All right, cool. Um, great on purpose today. We're going to do that. Yep. And then they like, Seriously, they're lying outside of James Ward Prowse. So I feel like January, somebody come grab him. But they I think uh, he's thinking that too nowadays. I know. I could use Jorginho's like, I could use somebody slower next to me in the midfield. Chelsea, go get him. I'll um, tell you, like, I don't know how much you can even like there's definitely problems with Hassan Hoodle. Don't get me wrong. He's been there for a while and he's seen some terrifying results. Like, didn't he get beat like twice, like eight or nine nothing? Like, yeah. He's had some awful yeah. results. And I'm it's always like been a kind of an un, like ongoing joke. Is he good? Is he not good? Because they wouldn't sack him. Very, he's been there for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And part of it, though, I mean, you got to look at their recruiting. Like in the summertime, they signed uh, Bazunu and Levia from like City, and they were in our academy. And like we've got a very good academy, but this right. isn't you know this isn't career mode on FIFA. Like you can't just bring like <laughs> n- a bunch of nineteen year olds into a team and just be like, yeah, that'll work. They'll just all develop into their whole potential in a couple years and we'll be winning the premier league. Like I, I get it. You want to build young. Um, it's a big thing here in American sports, like building young teams, young cores. The difference is in America, if you build a young core and you have a really bad season and you finish last pace, you usually just get another really good young piece in the draft. Like yep. in the premier league, yeah. you're going to the championship and then you got 37 year olds that have been out of the league for six years going in two-footed at your new, like, 19-year-old right. talent. And, and everybody from the Premier League already left. But, like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, Bella Kotchap is pretty good. He's a young player. Salisu's been pretty good for them, right? I know we're talking about a team playing well that just lost 4-1. But, like, really, I mean, Joe Aribo's been good for them. Sikumara, they've got all these young guys who it's like, 
ideally for like a team, you know, a big team, and you talk about, you know, guys out of your academy getting bought and then automatically playing for them. But ideally, those are guys who'd be playing 10, 15 minutes off the bench and then playing whole cup games, right? I mean, yeah. And they're having to make do in the Premier League, but I don't know. Hassan, who has been there for a long time, gets talked about as like one of the fathers of this, you know, the Gagan press and all that stuff. And they were really great for a while at that, but not not sustainable this time. Yeah, I I saw earlier it was um they signed Luton's former manager, Nathan Jones. I, I'm not gonna pretend like I know anything about him. Um no. But it's just a very Southampton-y appointment, isn't it? Kind of like they're just like, yeah. let's go get a guy out of what is, I don't know, is Luton in the championship or the third division now? Yeah, but they're just like, let's go get a guy that's like in a well, lower club. Like, and like they, they, they go very <laughs> prospecty on the field. And now they're going very prospecty um, on this touchline. And, you know, maybe it's, it'll work. Like, but I, it's just, it's kind of a whole philosophy there it's becoming. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Is it even on Hassan Hoodle completely like if he's not given the pieces to really succeed. Who, they're going to grab another guy who punches above his weight because that's kind of, I mean, again, right? Like we can't really speak to the championship and especially Luton and how they're doing, but I can tell you in last year's FIFA, if you wanted to start a, a career mode with the worst team in the championship, Luton's there for you with a little hat symbol. Like yeah. he's already overachieving and they just went and got an overachiever. Not a bad way yeah. to do it, but um but yeah, not a we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the new coach bump is a real thing. So looking yeah, forward um, to uh, somebody them picking off a couple people here. Maybe they're saving the grace. They're saving grace for Southampton might be that there's just like a lot of bad teams this year. Like I'll kind of <laughs> move it along to some of the other results over the weekend. Like Wolves losing at home to Brighton two three. A game they had the lead in, and you know, just like I, it, Wolves is so weird to me. Like, I don't they, yeah. you remember, like a few years ago, like they were exciting when they came up, and they were like totally punching above their weight. Then they finished like seventh or eighth a few years ago, and like it was all that going was well. They capped it was all out. right. Yeah, it was that, all going was well, and it's just do, like. Yeah. It feels like just over the last two seasons, like um, obviously they moved on from, oh my God, what's his name? The Brazilian manager, the Brazilian, the Portuguese manager they had for so long that was at Tottenham. Mm -hmm. Um, But they moved on from him. And like since then, they're like, they're just, they're a mess. They're boring. They're not fun to watch. I don't have really any thoughts on, which is, which is a problem. Like I, I'm, I'm really entrenched in watching a lot of football. And when Wolves are on, like unless my team is playing them or right. nobody and, else is on or like Arsenal maybe if I want to scout players. them. They have these flair players. Like, Do they anymore? In a, in a vacuum, like Potence, fun to watch, right? Young little guy, not young guy. I always want to call him young because he's short. But hustling, you know, knock you over reminds you of like, you know, like a scrappy undersized point guard, right? And he's got flair and tricks and that kind of thing. They just, they have Gonzalo Guedes just out there. You know, a guy who was thought to be kind of a, you know, in the Portuguese national side, which make your jokes about uh, wolves here with the Portuguese national side, but they still got Ruben Neves, João Martinho. Like to say they're not, to not be a solid team, I don't understand. Like I really just they don't just, get it. And maybe it just speaks to, 
you know, how good Brighton's continued to be after, you know, Graham Potter leaves, but yeah, it's I, been a I, bit, uh, it's been a bit yeah. uneven for them, but I mean, they, they seem to be getting it going. Nuno is the manager I'm talking about. It finally yes, came back Nuno. to me, yep. but um, yeah, since he left, man, just Wolves, they just don't do it for me. Brighton um, don't want to totally gloss over them. I mean, Adam Alana kind of turned back the clock in this game and had a goal and assist. <laughs> I heard, I saw a tweet the other day of like, get him on the plane to England, and I'd be completely happy with that. I'd love for them to waste a spot on Adam Milana. No Absolutely. offense, Adam. But I digress. Um, no, I'm from not that, more like, more like bottom of the table fodder. Um, Nottingham Forest, who are actually the bottom of the table, they were able to pick up a point against Brentford this weekend. Um, they rescued a point right at the very end uh, mm-hmm. on an own goal. It was kind of a clusterfuck in front of the net, but. Goal is a goal, man, and um, they're a team that needs them right now because uh, they've been total bottom for a minute now. Um, that said, we'll, we'll get in kind of the mush in a second of like these teams, but um, points—they just need points wherever they can get them. Yeah, the only the only bad thing is it's a winnable game against Brentford for them, right? I mean, they've at got home, to have, yeah, they've they've got to have that circle, and I think Brentford's a good team, but at home against not one of the top six when you're bottom three. It's the kind of game you need to win if you want to stay up. Um, Right. You need to win at least a few of them in a season. Absolutely. It's the start, you know, looking back at the season, but yeah, it all turned when we turned what would have been a, you know, one to two, two to one uh, defeat into a three, two win. Right. Mm -hmm. And if that stuff doesn't happen for them, they're going to have a really hard time uh, pushing up here at the end of the season. Yeah. The, um, only other really thing I have from this game is the goal by Visa was fantastic. The oh, yeah. chip, uh, oh. not a not a true chip, I guess, and like that it was just <laughs> off the ground. But like, but not that a, was it, just it is a oh. true chip. I just I I love. There's nothing I love more than a chip goal. I prefer it to be dead on the ground, almost like a panenka for my chip. But that's me being very very picky about what is an excellent excellent goal. It was. Um, um, it was a sensual goal to watch. Um, <laughs> that said, it was not as sensual as Yori Tielemans' goal. No. Everton. Oh, my God. Uh, it might be goal of the season. It, it might be the one it might be fighting with is the one he had earlier in the season, too. He's dead. Man, this guy can score some crackers. I can't believe he's still like at Every Leicester. goal Leicester scores is incredible. I feel like I've never seen, like, I, like, it's been, I'm exaggerating, but it's been weeks since I've seen a normal goal from them. Right, I mean, everything. Yeah, even the second goal uh, by Barnes was like pretty impressive. Yeah, Took it like on the exactly. turn and like fired into the corner. But yes. um, his goal. Yeah, they do. They do seem. I mean, I think a lot of Tealman. <laughs> Tealman's only scores bangers. It seems like. I, do you remember the one? Uh, now I'm really getting off track. But the one he scored, like it, I think it was the Carabao Cup or her, maybe the FA Cup against City, and it was an absolute mm-hmm. thunderbolt. He just oh, yeah. he scores nice goals, man. But. Overall, I don't have a ton on this game. Um, I don't know about you. Like, Everton no, are just for, uh, tough for yeah. Everton, it's like I, they just they're the know, same man. kind of as Wolves to me, man. Like they with they with kind Everton, of for, they feel like they I feel like they have more of a plan than the Wolves. Is just like I don't know. Give us some kind of vague Portuguese guy to put out there, right? Like a team with Calvert Lewin. Just looking at their like spine right now, Pickford, right? playing for England, right? Connor Cody, James Tarkovsky, I think they're both past their day, but neither one of them should be 
They can do no, it. They're not a liability, right? Idrisa they got more pieces Gay, than Wolves. Adrisa Gay and Dominic Calvert Lewin, like that's a decent spine, right? Like, yeah, really. And they just don't have. They don't have anything really to them. It's yeah, crazy it's to just say. um, it's like Lampard's kind of cleaned up the defense this year. Um, they do look more stout at times. Last year, that was the problem. They were just leaking goals, but. They just they don't have a lot going forward, man. They just and then if they're if they, they're, if, if it, all it takes is giving up one goal, you're going to be in trouble a lot of this season. Like they're it's, they're it's hard to win. It's 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 hard to grind out nil nils in this league. Like I, it's it's a yeah. cliche of like yeah, you just play for nil nil, but like it's it's tough to do that every week, and it just feels like that's how they go out there and play every single week. And at some like, point, that you're going to start dropping a lot of points. It's it's a team that's been reliant on. Alex Awobi master classes. Like when they've gotten points, like people are talking about, like, man, look at Alex Awobi. It's like, guys, what are we doing needing Alex Awobi to come through in 2022? Like, yeah. no offense to the guy, he's having a great season, like for Everton. But at the same time, like, if you if you're turning up to the park on the weekend and saying, like, well, yeah, it's gonna be up to Alex Awobi, more often than not, you're not gonna be killing it. Right? That yeah. that time is come and gone. Yeah, honestly, at the end of the day, like just to wrap that game up, um, that they're just there. Remember, we were talking like a few weeks ago, like everybody was talking, like, "Oh, Everton looked better this year. They don't look like they're going to be in that relegation scrap." They're they're two points off 18th right now. They're on 14 points, but I mean, we got like a couple more games to get into before we really get into this like mush at the bottom of the table. But they pull even with Leicester. Remember Leicester, how terrible they were a couple weeks ago. They have like a couple good games, and they're out off the bottom like it's right it's just a weird year um 14 points for both of them they're equal with west ham on 14 points which they're one that's surprising they lost again man they lost like last minute goal from um alisa i believe it was for crystal palace Mm -hmm. and And, and i i did watch some of this game man um what's going on there ben so ben rama's goal ben i mean Talk about another team that seems to just. Mo- I mean, I was going to say this about uh, Leicester, but their entire team is just set te- set piece takers, right? West Ham's entire team to me is guys who want to win headers, and then Lucas Paqueta and uh, Saeed Ben Rama. So, I mean, he fires one in, and as we've all seen before, when Ben Rama gets a hold of one, watch out, man! That thing is a missile. He buried it in the corner, um, but then Zaha pulls it back before half, and then. Elise, like these are just two for a team. I we were, I think most people were kind of thinking like West Ham could be taking a step. They hung on to Declan Rice this summer. They didn't lose Suchek either. They bring in Skabaka and then they get Lucas Paqueta right before. Like all they had to like, you know. I thought they might get into the top four this year. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, everybody was sitting here last year. Yeah, if West Ham could get some more offense, if they could just put it together a little bit, right? They have a great back five, right? Really, they were, the way they play for the back last and, year, and they added and they like yeah. you said. I mean, you just you just detailed the pieces. I I I didn't I wasn't predicting them for top four, but I thought they'd be in the conversation again, like last year at least, and right. maybe have a better shot than last year. Um, I feel like when I see them play, they don't play particularly bad. It's just. They seem to be losing a lot of close games. I'm not looking at the results right in front of me. It just seems like they're losing a lot of these like one nil, two ones. Like I don't want to say it's and and maybe last year those were draws, right? Yeah, you know, ate up the points that way. But like, kind of turning it around to Crystal Palace, it's like 
West Ham, this team seems to be all substance, no style, really, right? Mm -hmm. Even their most creative player is Jared Bowen, right? A guy who seems to kind of just run in straight lines to me. Very good player, but not exactly like you. Flip it to the other side. Zaha, Elise, Eze, Eze are all these creative players who give you five step overs and then a great ball. And, you know, you combine these two, you might have a team (laughs) running up with you guys near the top of the league. But I just don't. Like they're a Crystal Palace is also kind of tough to solve because they're they look solid at the back. They have all this talent going forward, but they get overrun in the midfield every week. Like every yeah. week they get overrun in the midfield. I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton more. I just I at the end of the day, uh, like I said, we're gonna get into the mush in a minute. I just think both of these teams are pretty solid mid table at the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I tend to think they're both going to figure it out. Cause they're both kind of crystal palace, not quite as much as West Ham right now. They're just both kind of in that mush though right now. And I, I think at the end of the year, the cream will rise. They'll just kind of both, it'll just be those weird uneven seasons where they both, what's the point of finishing 10th or 11th type thing. Like you're nowhere near relegation. You're nowhere near Europe. Nah, at the end of the day, I think that's what they're both looking at, but to round out the fixtures from the weekend, Unai Emery, Getting the best just of Mr. Back. Ten Hog. I just know. back. Captain three one. Then didn't uh didn't get it done. I can't believe it. <laughs> what are the Bro, he got he got a nice tantrum done. Did you see that? Uh, well, I mean, they all look the same. It's all him. I mean, I'm <laughs> glad he stayed till the end this time, for what I can tell. That's a good you point. You know, I, I wasn't uh watching I wasn't watching the tunnel at the end of this game to make sure he didn't leave early, but <laughs> You know, well, it was 3 1 Villa at home against United. Nice introduction to the league, uh, introduction backs, I should say, for I Emery. Um, I'll tell you what, Villa looked good in this game. I, I did watch yes. this game on Sunday morning. Um, the first goal by Leon Bailey was a nice little move, and then the free kick from Luca Dine is like <sighs> chef's kiss. I love a good free kick that bends into the corner. Um, United rescued one back, a little own goal on like a weird deflection right before halftime. But um, West Ham, Ramsey got one in the second half early, and they just never – West Ham, sorry. Aston Villa got one early in the second <laughs> half and never really looked back. Um, if they play like that, uh, Villa that is, they're not going to have to worry about this relegation fight because I think it's going to be a hell of a fight this year. But if they can string results together like that, because United's been basically since City – tore the living shit out of them about a month ago. United's been playing pretty decent. Like you're starting to see a pattern of play there. Mm-hmm. But West Ham, why do I keep saying West Ham? Villa just looked way better than them yesterday. <laughs> it's the maroon. The maroon will get you something. Man. Yeah. The, the jerseys uh, are too similar. Come on guys. Absolutely. I mean, that and the clair- uh, claret. Yikes. Yeah. Um, but thank uh, God we don't have Burnley in the league still. Oh, uh, well that's yeah. I mean, your boy Vincent company is not exactly uh but uh, it's a, but, uh it's you have any like real thoughts on this Villa? Yeah, you have any thoughts on this Villa United game? Really, um, otherwise, it's I, it's nice to see we're not United fans, as you've heard. Like, it's nice to see them not do well. It's nice to see uh, Ronaldo throw another tantrum. I'm incredibly worried. Todd Bowley's going to buy him. Um, it keeps me up at night. It makes me very worried. Um, but no, like Unai Emery coming back, putting it to. You know, like a big win at home, right? Nothing better to get the thing to get the thing up and running there. And Unai Emery, and you know, a lot of these clubs that are in a Premier League 
you know, relegation battle or scrapping it, whatever, to pull in a guy who's been a great manager in this league for how long, right? Someone who's literally proven it. You're not grabbing Nate Jones and being like, I don't know. They worked at Luton. Maybe we can try it here to be like, do we have anybody who's like done really well at one of the biggest teams? Oh, we do. We can just bring in Unai Emery. Great. Let's just do that um, and have it be immediate success. We'll see if it can kind of uh, sustain like we've been talking about with a manager chop change. But um, they would be my they would be my bet to uh, continue up the table in this way if uh, if Unai Emery is going to come in and play that kind of role. Yeah, I don't have a ton on the United side of it. Like they were playing pretty well before this. Um, yeah, they're just still growing under Ten Hog, man. Like I do kind of think that they have something going there. It's just it's going to take time there. Uh, we talked about it earlier with Chelsea kind of being a little bit of a project team right now. United's even more of that. I think of he's doing some good things there, but um, yeah, it's just going to take time. There's going to be weird results like this throughout the year. Um, otherwise, I was kind of referencing before, like, this might be a better topic for like next week when we're kind of going into the break before the world cup, but just mm-hmm. to like reference it really quick. Have you like looked at the table? Like Brentford are 11th on 16 points and Nottingham forest are on 10 points and dead last. There's six points between the bottom 10 teams. Like it's such a mush at the bottom of this table. Like I do think some of these teams, like I said, I think West Ham, um, I think they probably figured it out at the end. Leicester seem to kind of be getting their stuff together. I don't expect them to really be in this fight for much longer. But like, there's a, it, it's really a cluster of like it's six, of- seven teams that could be in a relegation battle this year. And like, it's, I feel like it's normally like by about this time of year, we're like, okay, it's going to be between these five teams or so. We're going to have, it looks like a great relegation battle along with potentially a title race at the top of the table we might be in for like a really good second half to this season oh yeah and it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird season there are gonna be teams that come back from this break and not all their players were gutting it out at the world cup for you know what two months right they're gonna be teams that come back more injured right somebody's gonna be injured at the world cup and other teams are gonna benefit from that but like outside of nottingham forest wolves and southampton which are the bottom three right now in bournemouth Right now, like you have a lot of teams that shouldn't be in the mush who are in the mush, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think outside of like the top, like let's cut it off at like Newcastle just to kind of look up the table a little bit, right? Those th- top three teams are the only teams like playing well, right? Week in and week out, just even just looking at the little last five, right? Only Man City's lost one of their last five games of these three teams. You have a mush in the middle with Tottenham. <clears throat> Man United, Chelsea, and Liverpool, who are all supposed to be higher and underachieving. Then you've got Brighton, who are overachieving. Fulham, Fulham, who's way overachieving, right? Like, everybody's not where they're supposed to be. And I think it's going to turn out to be, you know, like, and honestly, it's what you've heard me say this before. One of my favorite things is that all the games matter so much, right? You don't get teams trying to lose for the first overall pick. And I know that's a super obvious thing to say to soccer fans, but like, it really matters. Right in three months from now, there'll be an Everton Aston Villa game or something else that would normally be completely inconsequential, but will really matter. I think we're setting up for a really good run here down the stretch. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really wacky second half, especially with the fixture pile up and stuff. Um, I think we're in for a good one. Like I said, we can tackle it a bit more next week when we kind of have a actual like 
sort of kind of midway stopping point, a nice pause in the season, at least a winter break, if you will, if you're like a Bundesliga person. But um, yeah, we'll kind of reevaluate there and kind of see what we're looking at. In what, in maybe what the most important news of a crazy busy soccer day, we got the champions league draw. Um, Oh yeah, we did. February, which it feels, I mean, I know it's always a big gap, but it's a gap all the way to February. The biggest gap ever. It's killing me, man. Well, and it's, and it's for such a, you know, I I wish the world cup was in the summer, but it's for such a fun thing in the middle. The gap always feels arbitrary to me. I know how like busy it gets during Christmas and all the fixture congestion and every league cup game and all that type of stuff. Right. During, you know, November and December for the premier league, but to have like a, something actually fun in the middle does kind of help with that gap a little bit. Um, but to kind of break down the fixtures, I think we'll kind of just start with, I think probably the biggest draw there is PSG Bayern in the next round. Spencer, what do we think, man? Do you know how bricked up I was when I saw this was one <laughs> of the games? Like this is, this is what you ask for. Like I will say, Full disclosure going into it. Like the fact that Bidfica topped that group with PSG was terrifying. PSG, I know it's like an ongoing joke of them in the Champions League. It's like them and City. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. they spend all this money and they never win. PSG, um, they're scary this year, man. I don't confess to watch a ton of League on, but like no. Messi looks motivated man who knows what happens after the world cup messi looks like he's turned the clock back a couple of years neymar yeah. is pl- looks like he's turned the clock back a couple of years even he's not as old nearly but still yeah they look great and bayern um which remember like a few weeks ago we were like talking about how bayern was having a bad year in the bundesliga like they're back top of the table shock oh yeah order orders they're bonus. yep dismantling barcelona in the group stage which Dude, doesn't mean what as much a fixture. as you thought it was, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, like, what a fixture, man! It's just, it's a great matchup. It's it's got to be the standout. There's um, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Like Liverpool, Real Madrid, great fixture as well. But I'm really excited to see this PSG versus yeah. Bayern well, draw that's play kind out. Of why I wanted to start with that one because I think these are both two teams that Bayern doesn't really usually have anything to prove. This year they do, right? They got rid of Lewandowski. They did have a struggle in the league. They're back up in top. And really, it's kind of similar to PSG's journey this year, right? They kind of, you know, they're always top of the, you know, of the French league. But they had all this drama this summer with Mbappe, which keeps popping up and everything else like that. Um, And then just to have it be those two playing each other after the full January transfer window, like... Literally, we don't really know what, like, I don't know. I don't think that PSG will blow up, but they could, right? They could theoretically blow it up, and they've been putting together a good team there for a couple of years. Like, if they can get through Bayern, I think they'll have kind of the confidence in themselves that maybe they normally are missing coming from a pretty weak uh, French League campaign. But moving on to, as you were saying, the, I would definitely say, like, the co-main event, right? if you want to think of it as like, you know, a fight night or something else, but Liverpool Real Madrid is a beautiful matchup of maybe the two best home, like 
those two at a home and home, like, would there be any better ticket if your own team wasn't involved to just go and no, see both of those? Like, terrifying. I, in, I trust me, Anfield terrifying <laughs> to me. The Bernabeu, oh my god, for you too. After last year, terrifying hey. house of horrors. <laughs> yes. It's like the two. Granted, um, Real Madrid's done a better job at like you know Sorry. winning the league and stuff, but yeah. like the two teams, they're just consistently like crazy in the Champions League. Like the the fact that one of them's going to be going out at this point of the competition is for like me as a City fan, awesome, and just me as a consumer of the sport, it's going to be a great spectacle oh, to watch. Just just a market like it's you know like even like we were just talking about like psg byron like okay i don't really care who's home or away there that's an advantage for one or either but these are legitimately two home and away you have to see right i i'm already excited they don't play on the same day as uh as chelsea so i can set aside my whole day to give my full attention to this game um the it's it's like a thing. Um, I'm looking at just like the teams right now. Like, and I mean, this is no disrespect to you as a Chelsea guy. If I was like ranking, if I was saying the five teams I think have the best chance of winning this whole damn thing, it would be probably PSG, Bayern, Liverpool, Real Madrid, and City. Oh, yeah. And so, well, the and fact we've, that we've done this before, like, we, right, we, and we the, do this all the time. Yeah, this is right. And the fact that two of these teams are going to be out in the round of 16 is crazy. It's. I mean, City have their own business to tie up against Leipzig, which we'll dive into the other ones here in a second. But it's great news for like them. I don't want to gloss over like Napoli either. Napoli looks amazing, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like your teams that really have a chance of this. I think it's going to open up the competition a lot because like the teams that come out of these fixtures, they might be beat up, man. Like they might be pretty beat up after having to go through a Liverpool or a Madrid or a Bayern or a PSG. So it's setting up for a really tasty, like last uh, eight and stuff in this competition, quarterfinals and semifinals. We might have some weird teams in there, man. Do you, uh, you brought it up, but how do you feel about the city Leipzig draw? Obviously, like you said, it could have been worse. You could have drawn somebody else, but not a pushover. Um, definitely not a pushover. Um, Leipzig are a pretty good team, man. We had them in the group stage last year, and and Cuckoo put on a show against us at the Etihad. I believe he had a hat trick. Um, they're a good team, man, and they're not a pushover for sure. But when you look at some of the Goliaths we could have gotten, um, we obviously couldn't gotten to Liverpool because we were both right. English and we can't get them in that first round. But like, we could have gotten PSG, man, and right. That was a scary prospect. Um. But overall, I, I, honestly, I think it's a good kind of landing spot for City. I, I don't ever want to get ahead of, of myself with City in the Champions League because I've seen them blow it to teams that they should have no business losing to, um, particularly French ones. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm relatively happy with that. Um, I think City's going to feel pretty decent about that draw. Um Speaking yeah. of English teams drawing German teams, I just got to see a lot of Borussia Dortmund. And yeah, group, man. And now you get to see them as a Chelsea fan. What do you think about that one? Um, am I a little bit sad that it's not going to be a triple homecoming for Pulisic, Aubameyang, and it would have been Tuchel, right? It would have been a triple, you know, Dortmund reunion. Um, no, because we need to get rid of Tuchel. But, uh, yeah, I I don't love it. I mean – 
you're right. I kind of feel the same way that you do here. It's like, well, who do you want? Like, even like Club, Club Bruges, who you'd normally be like, yes, please, Club Bruges. They were flying through the group stages, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's that kind of thing. It's like, do I want to play the hottest team? No, I don't. Um, Chelsea kind of really figured it out in the group stages. That was where Potter's kind of been at his his best is kind of getting us. We were ooh, bottom or almost joint bottom when he took over. And the fact that we came through and won the group, I hope we can kind of keep that momentum going. Um, you always want to feel like you have the best player in the series, right? Or in the home and home, right? Like with you and KDB and Holland, you walk into most games thinking like, no matter what, we're going to be taking it here. Um, future Chelsea star Jude Bellingham does not play for us right now. Now, it's I, was a huge say, problem I, was, I was interested who you were going to say the best player is because I was going to say I, I saw firsthand Jude Bellingham. Yeah, he's you want to talk about another guy that's going to keep me up the next few weeks <laughs> leading up to this game against England. He is sensational, man. He is so good scoring goals for fun. And I mean, we can, I, we, I joke a lot about Chelsea just buying up your players, but that was something I wanted to mention on your game is like by the time February rolls around, we could have Nkunku, we could have. Gavardiol, you guys could be playing some team just strip for parts there. Um, <laughs> so you're welcome. We should all be rooting for Chelsea in the January window. Seems like a thing we can both agree on. I can um, maybe get behind that. See, there we see coming together. Um, but no, I, I, it's not a bad draw. You don't want to draw the weakest team and then lose to somebody. Like We're at the stage of this season and honestly after the Arsenal game this weekend where I am feeling a little down about Chelsea at the moment here, right? If we go out in the round of 16 to Borussia Dortmund, it's not good. It's not acceptable, but it's not embarrassing. It's also you got about what, like we were saying earlier, like three months to find your form. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, form right now kind of out the window. Just to gloss through these other ones real quick. The other English team, Tottenham, AC Milan. That's kind of a tasty one, like a kind of I undercover tasty one. It. I don't know if it's going to be fun to watch because Tottenham's abhorrent to watch, like we talked about earlier. But yes, as far as an on-paper matchup, like AC Milan might be able to give them problems, man. Well, in, in AC Milan, we had them in the group stages. So they're a little bit like that too, right? If it's like the idea that styles make fights, like they both are a little more defensive than you would want them to be for their attacking talent. Okay, well, never mind. I'm completely out on this. I'm not well, no, no, no. What I, what I was going to say is somebody's got to go for it, right? Somebody's got to push here. And I I, I do think it's going to bring out the best in Milan. I can just see Giroud with a nasty header. I can see Rafael Leal coming in off the wing and showing everybody up there or a Kane masterpiece. Like, whatever, all we've said about Tottenham in kind of a disparaging manner, like, They've got the offensive talent, man. If Kane's rolling after the World Cup or Sonny comes in hot or something like that, like this could be this could end up being like the series to watch. They've got oh, a lot full of on. Like I I don't want it to be come off at the end of this like we just are gonna shit on Tottenham the whole time. I think Tottenham's good. <laughs> I, I just I, I think they they're better than the way they play. they've been playing. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the big problem I have with them. As um, a yeah, as a non Tottenham fan, you want to see attacking players play attacking football. Mm-hmm. They don't like do Hung Min Sun. I get yeah. not like Hung Min Sun. No, and, but and like, but unleash the, the beast. He's incredible. coming off the beast and he's scoring three goals. Bench and scoring three goals. Like, yeah, I love watching that. But when you know he's tracking back and doing all the like you know not fun stuff and sitting behind the ball, get that out of here. Come on, right. Conte. Um, moving on from that one, I don't have a ton else on that. Um, 
as I was saying before, like we might see some weird teams getting deep in this competition. Bruges versus Benfica, man. Like who would have drawn that one up when we saw the group stage like draw like a couple months back? Like no, I don't it's, think it's the two Benfica got out of a group with not, not only got out of won a group with PSG and Juve in the group. And right. <laughs> Bruges, like kind of shocking <laughs> us all. They 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 kind of bottled winning that group. They yeah, they should have won that group. They won their first four, I believe, and yeah, about right. it's a very end kind of dropped it. Uh, still, though, I think if you're Bruges, like you got to be happy to avoid one of like the super. Oh, for sure. You probably got the them or Porto. Like, not to pick on you know Portuguese football, like it's probably the two teams you would have wanted if you were Bruges. Absolutely, and they're both like the two teams that have been the biggest thorns in people's side in this competition pulled each other, and. I know we were talking about like, you know, games you want to watch set aside the whole day and that kind of thing. But like, I'm personally pretty happy Chelsea sharing a days of playing with these guys on the seventh, on the February 15th and the 7th of March, because what I want is the casual fan to go drift over there and watch their very exciting game. So I can be stressed about the Chelsea game by myself. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a great thing, but like, you're right. We're going to see either Benfica or club Bruges in the next round. And uh, I know, especially for you as someone who has kind of said, like, the only thing that really matters this year is Champions League for you, right? You guys have won the league two years in a row. You've said that to me before, but like, yeah, like, not that like you 60, don't 40. want the title. Yeah, exactly. But nobody else is 60-40 about the league, right? Um, but we'd have a team you would probably want to draw, one of them, no matter what, getting into the next round. Right. So as I expressed earlier, take care of business. Yeah. I'm not going to feel about an e-draw like good about an e-draw with city. They just, they find a way to lose to teams kind of no matter what. So, right. I think, I mean, on paper, yes, it'd be a lot of growth for them to still find a way to lose, lose to (laughs) Bruce or Benfica when you pull them. That would suck. But I've seen pep brain do some crazy things before. So Uh we'll see what happens, but I, I, it will be cool to see one of these like teams that doesn't usually get there. We kind of saw it last year with like Villarreal. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, it, it'll be fun to see a different team, like, kind of get deep in the competition. And we kind of have that in another one of these fixtures with, like, Inter and Porto, like, kind of the same thing. Like, Porto kind of – the group was a bit weaker than the one that Benfica top. But seeing two Portuguese teams top groups is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, they've been fodder kind of – again, sorry for the strays, Portugal, but like they've been kind of fodder in like the group stage of the, like over the last few years. I know City's like dismantled a couple Portuguese teams. And oh, for sure. It's cool to see – like I'm a fan of parody. Like, that's probably one of my biggest hiccups with like uh, soccer sometimes is the lack of parody because in America we have a lot of it. Um, but it's cool to see like just these different teams having a chance. And Inter – um, look, they're a team I look at on paper and if they get rolling, like they have a chance to like make a little bit of a run, especially with like a potential of like an easier kind of draw. Like we're talking about, like, uh, the much maligned, especially to you, like Romelu Lukaku, if he gets healthy and he's bagging goals, like he was a couple years ago for them, like who knows? We'll just like, recall the loan. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just recall the loan. <laughs> Seems like a thing we would do. Um, yeah. but no, you're right. Like intriguing offensive talent there. Like, I, I kind of think this is the best way it could the way it could have gone with the draw, just in general. Of like everybody got somebody, my team and your team both got somebody they can beat, 
right? We nobody pulled, you know, the Real Madrid or the Liverpool card. Um, and we, I think we had a lot of really good soccer ahead of us in the Champions League. I yeah. mean, it's so it's so far away, and there's so much soccer between then and now. You're right; it's really hard to judge or how we're going to feel about any of it. But, but love the draw, man. Love yeah. the draw. last one. Just rounding it up is um, Napoli, who finished top of their group with Liverpool. They uh, drew Eintracht Frankfurt, which the way Napoli's playing right now, man. First off, let me just say <laughs> having. For Tough for Frankfurt. Yeah. <laughs> having having three uh, Italian teams in the round of 16 is kind of cool. Yeah, Just kind of cool to see different blood there. You know, Napoli is flying. Well, and and um, not including Juve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not including Juve, who's been like the staple there for the last, you know, 10 years or so. So I think it's really cool. Just like I said, to see different teams there. Napoli has been flying, man. Like, <laughs> I didn't get to see a ton of their uh, games. I just happened to be watching other ones when they were playing. But like, I remember when they were dismantling Liverpool <laughs> in Naples, like looking at the app and just seeing like Napoli are doing what three, four, five. Like, so it was like watching the ticker for the uh, for the Leeds game this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, I think uh, Napoli's got to be pretty okay with that draw. Frankfurt were tough early in the group stage i was kind of surprised to see them get through honestly um Mm -hmm. we'll see they kind of turned it on at the end to advance it all so i mean you know like i said it's just so hard stuff like this to just judge form like maybe napoli's off a cliff by then and frankfurt's flying in the bundesliga like we got three months man i think frankfurt is probably the team happiest about this taking place in february because nobody would want any part of napoli right now like yeah, you made the case sure. they're just flying. And it's like, you know what? Maybe by the time February rolls around and there's been an entire giant soccer tournament and the transfer window, Napoli will have chilled out a little bit. Like we'll we'll get a fair shot there. Um but no man, I think I think you're right. I think uh I think I like Napoli there. And that kind of wraps up the international look. One domestic thing to take care of, Spencer. You're talking about Leeds and Bournemouth for the game of the weekend. What about our boys in MLS for the cup? Dude, I will come out full colors, guys. Like, I am not the biggest MLS guy. St. Louis getting a team next year, I have vowed to kind of dive into it. But even if that wasn't the case, this this game, man, what an advertisement <laughs> for the fucking league, dude. 3-3, LAFC wins the title on penalties. oh man it was a fantastic game and i i do have a bit of a you know bone to pick here philadelphia like i I don't want to i don't want to go in on you philadelphia i really don't like one of the toughest (laughs) sports days i can't imagine dude they lost a world series and a mls cup on the same day they lost two championships (laughs) on the same day I've had some. I don't think there's a lot of Philly overlap between the two, dude. Um, I've had some bad days as a sports fan. I can't imagine if I liked loved both those teams. So, if you're a Philly Philly person, a Philly fan, I'm sorry. At least the Eagles are like really, really good. Um, You got some things to fall back on, but how on earth do you have three penalties and you don't convert any of them in the shootout? 
three shots and you can't get one in the net. That's um, you know what it reminded me of is. Do you remember well, what year was it? 2011, I believe, when the U.S. women lost to uh, Japan in a penalty shootout in the World yes. Cup final. Yes, and they yes, just yes, couldn't. Yes, yes. They scored like one of five penalties or something. I'm yeah. going off the top of my head, so maybe I'm wrong. But it's just like there's just sometimes these terrible penalty performances, and it's it's why it's a shitty way to end the game. But it's got to end somehow. They went 120 minutes and couldn't more than that because Bale's goal was like. 130 minutes into the game to tie it but man i gotta say if you're in it like if you're looking for a good advertisement for the league like if you're trying to sell to like i don't know say if you're the mls and you're going to like turkey or something and you're trying to sell a tv package to them to advertise your games and play them at night so when people are up at 4 a.m in turkey they can watch lafc versus the <laughs> la galaxy or something yeah you're just advertising i'll the tell you what i got you yeah, I'm, I'm showing them. I'm showing them that game. I'm saying you want this on TV because that was a great advertisement for the league. And um, like I said, I was going to buy in a lot more. It's like coming up here soon with St. Louis F or St. Louis City FC coming into the league. St. Louis City SC. Sorry, not football club, soccer Look, man, club. I should know that. You guys picked that tongue twister. That's oh. on you. It's a long one. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't hit me up on the um, you know whole brand development thing. I would have told them maybe a little bit too long for our simple American brains. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, it was a great game. I'll tell you what I didn't like from it. Um, Gareth Bale's been objectively terrible at LA. <laughs> not even playing a whole lot for them. Not even, not even playing. playing. But like oh, and 120 minutes. Go ahead, Gareth. Go ahead and get out of there, bud. It's kind of the thing I was always thinking, though, is like, I don't know. I honestly didn't think it was going to matter. Like, he could have been shit for LAFC and like gone to the World Cup. And it's, you know, the whole Bale thing. Wales, golf. He's a different and, player for them, man. Yeah, dude. So, I, um, I, hate to I don't a, love I hate to have him get a little momentum. No momentum I don't need for it. Wales. None. None. I don't need Wales. it. I don't need a Come Daniel on. James goal this weekend either. I don't need Ethan Ampadu to make a fucking banger. None of that. Now you're now you're getting wacky. I'm just gonna imagine none of those things are happening because they never do. So <laughs> we're not gonna even worry about that. So kind of wrapping up here real quick. We're going kind of long, but um, it's just any fixtures coming up this weekend in the Premier League that you're like really looking forward to, Andrew. Uh, looking forward to might be a strong word for uh, but I I have to say is probably the game of the weekend is. Uh, Chelsea going to Newcastle. Um, Good luck up there. Man, I mean, we've been talking about them. They've really overachieved, and they're kind of a year early of their big big rebuild. But Chelsea needs some points here, man. I hate hate to go into a game with Newcastle hoping for a draw, but they haven't been playing well lately. And a Chelsea win would do a lot heading into the break here. But I I think that's got to be – kind of the game of the weekend here. Is there anything you got your eye on? Yeah, I I think I'd agree with you. Um, that's definitely kind of the pick of the litter. We got a lot of just a lot of that like bottom table fodder, like playing bottle ta- bottom table mm-hmm. fodder type weekend. Like we're saying, like a lot of teams that are in that mush. So we'll see some teams maybe separate themselves a little bit going into the break. Um, otherwise, really the only one I kind of am looking at, like that might catch my attention at Saturday at 9 a.m. Um, Leeds going to Spurs, like obviously with it being the last, you know, window of games, last match day before the World Cup break starts, you want to see as an American, hopefully Aronson and Adams are heading up 
to or down to Qatar, I guess, in good form. With no injuries. Um, yeah. No injuries. Oh, God, knock on wood, no injuries. I don't even want to entertain that idea of losing either of them. But, yeah, and just from a lead standpoint, like we touched on it earlier, can they, like, stop leaking goals and maybe get a result? Like, that's – like, the Liverpool game last weekend was huge for them. Last weekend, two weekends <laughs> ago, you know what I mean. But – that's a huge result. They kind of pulled out of nowhere and it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of do it again. Cause we said this Tottenham team is a little bit vulnerable. Like they'll sit back. That Leeds attack is looking decent. And if they can nick a goal, the only thing is that I think if Tottenham turn it on and try to play, they might score six. But uh, as we've kind of discussed, you just kind of don't know what you're going to get week to week with either of them. Right. Right. No. And, and outside of that, and maybe you could talk me into West Ham Lester. I think it's one of these weekends where it's hard to know where to look. Right. I mean, for all we know, Brighton, Aston Villa, they've been two of the hottest teams. Right. We just got uh, Unai Emery back in the Premier League and Brighton's been hiding high. It's hard to know where to look. I think outside of the Chelsea Newcastle game, as far as like, oh, a big matchup. But mm-hmm. The Premier League never disappoints, man. They always give us something. They always it's the give type us of weekend where I'm going to wake up on Saturday morning. I'm going to make a lineup on Daily Fantasy. And <laughs> whoever fits in my lineup, and I have a lot of that team, I'm going to probably watch that game. I'm going to be watching the scoreboard because if one game's going crazy, I'm going to flip that on and probably pivot. Like I said, it just it'll be interesting to see. Like it's still going to be tight there at the end of the t- like the bottom of the table, the middle of the table. But it'll be interesting to see if anybody can just kind of give themselves a little bit of breathing room going into the break. Yeah. Last last thing I'd say just about next week's schedule, and we've talked about this before, is there are only two Sunday games. Right, Brighton Villa at eight o'clock, and then ten thirty, you end your Premier League uh, watching with Fulham or Man United going to Fulham. But you got six thirty game, and then you got one, two, three, four, five at five at nine o'clock. It's a tasty got, little window. It's a tasty little window before you end with Newcastle Chelsea, and then Arsenal Wolves. So. Like I said, I almost Maybe. I almost prefer to be a tasty little window like that where there's not one standout game because it's yes. like whichever game's good, I can just not feel bad about cheating on any game. My team's not playing. We're at yes. 630. I can just kind of flip around and see what catches my eye. But um, yeah, otherwise I don't have a ton on it. We'll get into obviously what happens next week along with a World Cup preview, Andrew. Woo. It I is- cannot wait. It is right there. It feels so weird to, it's like <laughs> 40 degrees outside. I've got like a hoodie and like a beanie on in my house. It's a little chilly. I got like slippers on and I'm talking about a world cup. It's supposed to be like obnoxiously hot. I should be sweating my ass off, <laughs> but alas, here we are. Thanks, Seth Bladder. You fucking asshole. Absolutely. But we'll get into that uh, next week a little more. We are planning on coming back here in a couple of days because on Wednesday, woo. The U.S. men's national team is announcing their roster. So looking forward to diving into that Just really nervous. quickly. Just nothing but nerves. Just well, There's ugh. nothing to be nervous about. I, I, I honestly, you know what? Maybe we'll be sitting here Wednesday and I'll be, you know, absolutely shook because like Paul Areola is <laughs> not on the roster or something. But you don't even I know think what to do. Becky G's man might not be there. <laughs> I don't know what to do if like, you know, like what if after all this, he's just like, and John Brooks, we're bringing him in. Just be like, Tim Ream out of left. (laughs) 
Dude, I, I, I really don't expect Greg to um, surprise us very much, but I don't know. You never know. Maybe we'll be sitting here, like I said, and we'll be absolutely rattled about one or two things. But I think um, it'll be a pretty, uh, yeah, that's what exactly kind of what we thought it would be type of thing. But nonetheless, we'll kind of just get into it on Wednesday and uh, see where the cards fall. Absolutely, buddy. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on our pilot episode of Fish and Fries. Uh, please be sure to rate five stars, subscribe, turn on notifications, any of that good stuff. Help us out. Uh, help us get off the ground for your new have, favorite podcast. We, have a tw- we do have a Twitter if you want to hit us up on there. We are Fish and Fries Pod. Uh, or actually, we are just Fish Fries Pod. Um, so if you want to hit us up on there with anything you want us to talk about, you think we should, we should know, we'll kind of be checking that out um, or get in touch with us any way you can. But uh, glad you could join us. Glad you could join us. And until Wednesday when we break down this U.S. men's roster, Andrew, I'll talk to you then. Sounds good, buddy.